This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Welcome back to the Knowledge of Wharton podcast. I'm Rachel Kipp, Associate Editorial Director of the Knowledge of Wharton website. We're here today with Wharton statistics professor James Jondro. He's here to talk to us about his new paper, which looks at creating an algorithm for removing sensitive information in predicting recidivism or how likely a criminal is to reoffend. James, thanks for being here. Thanks, Rachel. I'm happy to be here. So predictive modeling is becoming an increasingly a popular way to assist human decision makers, but it's not perfect. Can we talk a little bit about what are some of the drawbacks of this? Yeah. So I, I think there's been a lot more attention lately about um, partly because things are being automated so much. So there's just more and more interest in having automatic scoring, automatic decision making, or at least partially automatic decision making. And the area that I've been interested in, and this is a lot of work that I do with my wife, actually, which is kind of fun. Um, the, the area that I've been interested in is especially criminal justice. Um, and so in criminal justice, there's a lot of use of algorithms for things like, you know, who will uh, need to post bail to, you know, get out um, of jail pre-trial versus, you know, who uh, who will just be let out on their own recognizance, for example. And at the heart of this is this idea of risk assessment and, and trying to see, you know, who um, is most likely, for example, to show up to their court dates. And so the, pr the problems, or at least, you know, potential problems with this are just that um, these algorithms, they're trained on data that is, you know, found in the real world. Um, that data can be really the byproduct of, say, this person's history of interaction with the court systems or history of interaction with police and so forth. And so the algorithms and their predictions can kind of, you know, bake in all of this human stuff that's going on. And so there, there's been a lot more attention lately to making sure that, you know, for example, certain groups aren't discriminated against um, by these algorithms. You know, for example, is the algorithm less accurate for certain groups or is the algorithm um, recommending that, uh, you know, minorities are released left less often than white people, for example. So those are the kinds of things that people pay a lot of attention to. And, and there was a particular literature on this where we were operating when we um, sort of thought of writing this paper. So just this idea that an algorithm is created by a human, and so humans are bringing all of their biases to bear when they're feeding the algorithm. Well, that's part of it, but actually the, the real thing isn't even so much the algorithm itself. It's that, you know, algorithms, and especially in machine learning and statistics, algorithms are things that allow us to take inputs and produce outputs. They allow us to take data and then transform that data into some kind of prediction. And so what happens here is, you know, you take um, information on a bunch of people and what you've observed them doing. So, for example, you would take information on people and whether they showed up to their court dates. And then you have some kind of algorithm and you use all that historical data on people to train the algorithm, like basically learn its parameters. And but the, the problem there is that that data is not, um, you know, the result of some laboratory experiment. That data is the result of humans interacting with one another. And so all of the kind of, you know, biases that are, you know, baked into to all of us and we're all imperfect, those things show up in the data. Any biases that exist in the data, those things will eventually show up in the predictions. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's basically impossible to avoid that kind of stuff because the data that we care about in these areas is data that we find in the real world. And so in this paper, you focus on recidivism or people's yeah. likelihood to commit a crime after they've been released from prison. Mm -hmm. And what did you set out to do in this paper in terms of that problem? Yeah. So um, so one thing I should say is that in this field, you know, what we 
have been trying to do, I guess, is to create a fair algorithm. Nobody agrees on what that is. Okay, so there are lots of different notions of a fair algorithm. And so what's fair? I mean. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so that I, I almost think of that as a philosophical question. And I sort of think of, of my role in, as like a statistician or a machine learning person as, um, you know, oh, well, there are these different notions out there. Can I like produce a, a, a method that people could use if they wanted to go with this notion? So there's this notion called statistical parity. Um, or demographic parity. And that's the idea that, you know, you would have certain protected groups. Okay, so in those those protected groups or protected variables might be things like um, sex or uh, race or something like that. And what we want, what, what our sort of notion of fairness is, is that the predictions of the algorithm sort of group-wise don't differ by race or they don't differ by um, by by, by sex. And what that means sort of statistically is that when you make the predictions, there's like no information on race left in the prediction. Okay. And what our paper is really doing is it's, it's a method for taking some data and removing all the information about race from the data or about sex or about whatever your protected variables are, and then handing that data off to anybody who wants to train an algorithm. And now they have this data that, you know, we're not the first ones to have done something like this. We, we're just following on, you know, this stream of research over the last few years. Um, the, the, the word that people use is that you've repaired the data. Okay. So we just have a kind of a more, um, well, I, I think maybe a more uh, sort of flexible or general way of repairing data. So anything that you produce with it later it's not going to have any information about those protected variables anymore. Can you talk a little bit more about how does this method work and a little bit about how it's been different from what has been proposed before? Yeah, sure. So that that's um, right. So that that's that's definitely, um, I think, pretty easy to talk about. So um, what had been proposed before, a lot of what people were able to do is if you had like, you know, what we call categorical variables, um, then then everything would work out fine. And what we set out to do was just to say, like, look, we want something that works no matter what it is. OK, so one of the things that people would have trouble with is if you had like a numeric variable. All right. So something like your age, not rounded to the nearest year, but just your age. Um, that's just a number. Um, and so things like that, it was like harder to do. Um, it was harder to do. Um, lots of variables. So if you if you wanted to kind of repair the data so that it removed information on lots and lots of variables, that was harder. And so our method um, is basically designed to make that kind of thing possible. And I'd say, I guess the way it works, um, you know, how can I explain this really quickly, is just that um, you sort of go through one variable at a time, you look at all the other variables, and you strip out the information on the, the protected variables, and then you go to the next variable, and then you do that. You use this the first variable that you've repaired and the protected variables to remove the information about the protected variables, and you sort of go down the list doing that. It's similar to things that people have used in um, areas like privacy and, and so forth. Like if you wanted to be able to release a data set uh, and it, and you know not be able to identify certain things about or characteristics of people in the data set, how would you do that? So it, it has relationships to that kind of literature. So once you were able to do that, what mm -hmm. was the result? Yeah, so the, the result is, um, right. So again, you know, I, we're, we're not exactly trying to take a stand on what fairness is. We've sort of picked this one notion and we wanted to, to do, you know, an algorithm for it. And, um, and I think the result was that the algorithm works pretty well. And, you know, at least in the example that we have and the data set that we're working with, you, know, you can see that after you use our, our method on the data, 
that there really is not any information about the protected variables left. And, you know, we have sort of statistical tests, for example, to see, you know, whether there's information about a particular variable sitting in a data set and it sort of passes all of those statistical tests. And so, you know, that's not a certainty that we've definitely removed all information. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, empirically, it seems to work pretty well. And we have some theory about how it works also. You actually did look at this in terms of recidivism rates and predicting somebody's likelihood to reoffend. Yeah, that's right. And so what what you can find, you know, there's this really well used data set. And what you can find is that, you know, if you use this data set just as is, and I want to be really clear here, it's not like anybody is putting like a race variable in the model, right? It's just that all the, the data that you do use is like correlated with that. And so our procedure is trying to like wipe out those correlations while, you know, leaving all of the remaining information behind that you're that you can have after you've removed those correlations. And so um, what you can see is if you just naively take the data and you try to predict recidivism, you're going to find really big differences um, by race and, you know, um, certainly by other variables as well. You're going to find really big um, differences group wise um, in, uh, you know, how likely people are um, to, you know, are the, in, in the distribution of the predictions, like, you know, how many people are, are flagged as high risk, that kind of thing. And so after, um, after remove, you know, running our method on the data, those distributions, the distributions of the predictions, so like you know, how the predictions look across all the people in the data set, those things have basically look very, very similar by race. And not only that, but the overall accuracy of the things that you, you train on these data is basically the same. So we lost almost no accuracy, but we were able to kind of you know, pretty much equalize things by race. And so th that, that we thought was you know, really a, a pretty good selling point of this is that overall, like the predictions are still quite good. Well, they're as good as they can be on the data, but um, you know, we're, we're, we're able to accomplish this demographic parity. So bias in algorithms, it's not just a major issue in the criminal justice space. Right. A lot of industries are trying to use predictive modeling, and mm -hmm. a lot of them are trying to find a way to do exactly what you're doing. So how can this be applied, I guess, beyond criminal justice to other industries as well? Yeah, so I think that that was one of the things that we were aiming for is that th this method is totally general. Like you take these, you know, what you call features or predictors or whatever, and you do this to them. And what you get out the other side is something that will have removed the information about the variables you wanted to get rid of uh, information about. Okay, so it's, you know, you could use this in, in lots of areas. You could use it in credit scoring if you want. People probably won't, but you could do that. Um, and, you know, so anyone who wants to, to sort of adopt or achieve this demographic parity notion, they can do that um, with, with our procedure. And so, you know, we think it's broadly useful. Um, I think that the, the you know, the question uh, that we sort of have now is, um, you know, scaling it up to lots of predictors. Um, and, you know, we can do it with a dozen or something, but, uh, you know, sometimes people will have hundreds or thousands. And so um, that's kind of a, a future work type of thing, I think. Are there other future lines for the research? Yeah, other than that, I mean, I, I think there are a lot of interesting things going on in this area now, and I tend to be driven more by the application than by, like, you know, I don't want to just say, like, oh, I'm going to work on demographic parity now. 
Um, there are lots of other notions of fairness. And what's really interesting is that, you know, through um, sort of a small grant that my, my wife and I have actually with my former PhD advisor, um, we now have access to a much bigger criminal justice data set. And, you know, we're finding lots of interesting things with this data, um, including just sort of the things you find with real data, right? The data are a mess. We're trying to understand what the different variables mean. There are all kinds of things going on about how people record the data and how that's changed over time. And so, you know, if, by being driven by that application, um, and, you know, trying to sort of do, you know, good modeling with that data, I think it's going to open up a lot uh, more interesting areas now, and they'll be relevant to, to uh, real-world stuff, which is, I think, what, what we're excited about. James, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Rachel. It was fun. You can find all of Knowledge at Wharton's articles, podcasts, and more on our website, which is knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You can find all of our podcasts on Apple's podcasting app or your other favorite podcasting platform. If you like what you hear, please leave us a like, comment, or review. It really does help like-minded folks to find the show. Thanks for listening. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 